Okay, let's look at this. We looked at this last week. So easy to place people in boxes. Drawing lines. Creating signs. There's us. And there's them. Those we feel comfortable around. And those we don't. There are those of us with many chapters. And those just starting their own stories. There's the well-to-do. And those doing what they can. There are those we share something with. And those we don't seem to share anything with. Welcome, and thank you for coming today, guys. Today I'm going to be conducting an experiment uh, where I'll ask you a series of questions. Now, these questions will be very personal questions. And for us to get a true result, I need you to be completely honest with how you respond. The first question I have is, who in here was the class clown? Thank you. 
we stand together. United as one under His grace. I showed it last week because we're looking at uh, the book of Romans um, and uh, we're up to chapter 2. And uh, chapter 2 is dealing with an exciting topic judgmentalism and hypocrisy. And uh, so that was exciting. So before Easter, we did that. But I just wanted to show it again because, man, it's powerful. Yeah. It's so powerful. I don't know if you know this, but there was this one the bulky dude with kind of the dreadies, whatever. He came up when they said, who's lonely? And he also came up when they said, who's a bully? Interesting. But we tend to put people in the boxes. And you might sit there and say, oh, no, I don't do that. But I think secretly in our hearts, we can. Just by looking at someone, we make some assumptions straight away, the way they're dressed, how they look. It's just, it's human nature. So, so please don't feel bad because you do that. A couple of weeks ago when we talked about this, we prayed at the end that God would help deliver us from the sin of judgmentalism because we all carry it in some way. And, uh, and so I believe God dealt with something significant in the life of our church that day. But I'm also, today, as we finish Romans chapter 2, at the end, I'm going to pray for people who feel judged. And again, I'm not going to ask you to come out the front because it's a personal thing and I don't want the finger pointed at people. And, oh, you know, you, I might say, bow your head, close your eyes, but you're like, who's getting But at the end of the service today, if you're in a position where you feel like you've been judged wrongfully or unfairly, or maybe you even did things that caused people to think that way towards you, it's still not right, but... I believe God's going to release people from that chain of judging, feeling like they're being judged, feeling like people have made decisions about you, uh, because that's a chain that Jesus came to break. Amen? Amen? Amen. So we're going to get straight into it. Romans chapter 2, verse 16 is where we're picking it up. And, uh, and it says, In the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. So... Say amen. Say amen. This verse is referring back to verses 12 and 13 that we looked at last time, where Paul explained how people would be judged. Paul is letting his readers know there will come a judgment day. And those of us that are believers that have read our Bible for five minutes, we know that it's coming. The day of judgment is coming. And you better be ready. Think of, um, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Who knows Arnold Schwarzenegger, that actor? And, and most of you would know he's famous for, you know. I'll be back. You've probably heard that line once or twice in your life. I don't know, as kids we called him Arnold Schwarzenegger and Eggenberger, but that's another story. <laughs> anyway, speaking of judgment, Lord forgive me. <laughs> but it's kind of like that, that promise, I'll be back. You know, you'll... You'll get some idea of what Paul's trying to communicate. It's not a matter of if, but it's a matter of when Jesus returns. He's coming, and we need to be ready. So there's two more things. First, for some reason, Paul places special importance on the secrets of men. He says that as if he wanted to underscore the truth that we can run, but we can't hide from God. You can run. You can put things in secret, but you can't hide from him. If you second, our acts will pass through the filter of Jesus Christ on the way to judgment. How good is that? So if you put your faith in Christ, God will forgive 
because Jesus paid the price and the punishment for you. So if not, if your faith and trust isn't in Jesus Christ, then you'll be punished accordingly. See, we walk with a God who is really present, a God who encourages that which is righteous and, and confronts that which is wrong. Some people have this misconception of God and grace and that he doesn't, uh, you know, everything's fine and, and everything's going to be fine. But God still confronts that which is not right. He doesn't like injustice. He doesn't like things that are not right. And he confronts them. But he's also full of grace. Let's go to 17 to 24, verses 17 to 24. This is a big chunk. So it says this, Indeed, you are called a Jew and rest on the Lord and make your boast in God and know his will and approve the things that are excellent being instructed out of the law and are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, having the form of knowledge and truth in the law. You, therefore, who teach another, do not teach yourself. You who preach that a man should not steal, do you steal? You who say, do not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who make your boast in the law, do you dishonor God through breaking the law? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, as it is written. And we'll uh, pause there. And I couldn't help but uh, include this. I made the heading and I'm like, you can't miss. You got. I just had to. I'm sorry. Forgive me for that self-indulgent moment. But look at the man in the mirror. This is what this scripture is all about. It's like, don't be up there all high and mighty and you should be doing this and you should dress this way and you should look like this and you should, when you yourself need to work on yourself. Uh, and again, it lines up with the scripture we talked about last time about the plank in your eye and the speck in your in your brother's eye. See, Paul is turning his attention in the scripture to the Jews. The Jews of his day had a great deal of confidence, and you can understand why when you know your Bible, that they knew more about moral matters than the rest of humankind. They knew more because God chose to give them the law before he gave it to anyone else. And Jews believed that in the law they had the embodiment of all knowledge and, and all truth. And this is understandable when you consider who gave them the law. You see, God himself inscribed the tablets with the Ten Commandments, and he did so specifically for the Jews. It's no wonder that they thought that they were hot stuff, because, you know, God gave us the tablets. In fact, they were the first ones to use the tablets boom down from the cloud. Uh, oh, yeah. But the problem, I yeah, was really bad. Some of you are a bit slow with my bad joke. <laughs> the problem was this. Though the Jews had the law, they couldn't keep the law. That was the problem. Paul points out that the Jews' hypocrisy, by, by asking a series of, of questions, he, he points it out, and he says, he asks the Jews to look at themselves for who they really are. The Jews were breaking the same law of which they were so proud. They just couldn't see it, or didn't want to see it. I mean, do you think Paul was being too harsh on the Jews? So consider this. In the first century, the rabbis had decided that the uh, prohibition against adultery and the sentence of stoning adulterers should be disregarded because there were so many adulterers. 
they were running out of stones. It was, it was, it was just too prevalent to deal with in such a manner. So there was so much adultery going around, the rabbis decided that they couldn't do anything about it. So they just decided to go, don't worry about that anymore. We're not going to do that anymore. So in case we're tempted to think, oh, those are nasty first century Jews. How could they? We, we, we would do well to remember the skeletons in our own closet. The things that we've seen happen in our lifetime. The wrong decisions and, and things that we've made. See, Paul said God will judge the secrets of all mankind. And his words are just as true for us as they were for the Jews at that time. It's very quiet in this church today. Oh, there is a guy. We need to look at the man. Okay, that's enough of that. So, Romans 2, 25 to 26. You need to be serious because this is church. So, very serious place. So, verse 25 to 26. Here we go. For circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law. But if you are a breaker of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. Therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? That's a lot of circumcision, and all the men are like shaking and quivering in their seats as we talk about that. Let's bring some clarity around that, because you can get lost if you read that too quickly. Imagine... I'm not into cars, okay? But who is? Who loves them? They're automobiles, okay? Two of them, three of them. Yeah, well, that's okay. All right. So imagine a friend presents you with a Jaguar XJR. Does that mean anything to anyone? Does that mean anything to anyone? Yeah. One of those. Imagine that. Happy birthday. Too low. <laughs> Sorry, I should have picked an SUV. Anyway, it's got 370 horsepower. The car is reported to do 0 to 60 miles in 5.4 seconds. Thank you very much. And uh, you, you want to look at the engine, don't you? Like if you're a car enthusiast, you want to pop the bonnet and just drool over the engine and I don't know, have a moment. So you want to take in the sight. You want to pay respect where respect is due. This is a mean vehicle. I want to look at this engine. So you slide into the yeah, expensive as well. You want to slide into the leather seat. You want to pop the hood, and you want to walk in front of the car, and you're smiling, and you know you glide your finger over the bonnet. Sharp car, look at that, and you lift it up, and to your astonishment, there's nothing inside. What? What looked good on the outside was actually a sham. So now you want to punch your friend in the face. No, you don't want to do that. We don't condone violence in church. But, you know, you're a bit, you're a bit let down, aren't you? Because it looked amazing on the outside, but then you pop the hood and it's just a shell. It's like nothing. All right. Circumcision was an outward sign of a covenant relationship with God. So in the context of that covenant relationship with God, God's people were called to walk with, worship, and obey him. Just as a fancy Jaguar with no engine is a terrible disappointment, Paul told the Jews circumcision without obedience was meaningless. It meant nothing. Yeah, you've got the look, you've followed the ritual, you've done the right thing on the outside. But on the inside, failed. So Paul had to part ways with his fellow Jews on the topic of circumcision. For the Jew, circumcision was the covenant, but Paul believed what Scripture taught. Circumcision was the sign of the covenant. 
This difference is very, very significant. God, through Abraham and then Moses, was creating a people from whom the Messiah would be born. Circumcision was affirmation that the covenant continued from generation to generation. It was just an outward symbol. It actually had no power to save. So you might have got circumcised, but that there's no power in that. You're just going through the motions. The equivalent today might be coming to church and dressing the right way, smiling the right way, saying all the right things and looking like you've got it all together, whereas on the inside you're just broken and you're an empty mess. We put on the facade, the outward appearance, everything's great, but on the inside, maybe not so. See, Paul's view of circumcision was that if it had value, that it did have value, but it could not bring justification to a sin. So there's no power in that action. And it was never intended to. Why does Paul choose to focus so much attention on the Jews? You might start to feel a bit sorry for him, or maybe not. But Paul's focus on the Jewish people is due to God's choice to make the Jews his vehicle of revelation. It's from the Jews that God brought forth the Messiah, who is our only source of true righteousness. Salvation is of the Jews, Jesus said in John 4, 22. Through the Jews, the living God and the true spirituality were revealed in the person of Jesus. That's why in this church you'll not hear a message preached without his name being mentioned. It's all about him. He's our cornerstone. We draw our life from Christ. We draw our answers from him. We seek help through the storms from him. We fix our eyes on him at all times. You know, we struggle with similar issues in churches today. Maybe not this church, but other churches. They, they have all the problems. Many people practice you know, the rituals of faith. They go through the waters of baptism. They take communion. They, they do all the right things. They might pray the right prayers, sing the right songs, because they know about God, but their hearts are unchanged. And that's where true transformation comes, when our hearts are changed, when we accept and choose to live for the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. See, God's name... It is not made famous through people like that, going to church and following the motions and doing the right things. God's name be praised when a true heart transformation takes place and there's a genuine repentance, a turning away from the old life and embracing the new life. That's when God gets all the glory. Uh, let's try and avoid counterfeit righteousness and let's be people who have had a, have had a true encounter with Jesus Christ, and we know that we know that we are changed forever because of that encounter in Jesus' name. Romans 2, 27 says this, And will not the physically uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you, who even with your written code and circumcision are a transgressor of the law? Uh, who's read the, the book's um, Left Behind series? Who's seen the movie? There's a movie. Yeah, yeah. The book's about it, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a movie guy myself. Don't judge me. Now, Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins, they probably weren't thinking of Romans 2.27 when they started work on this popular series called Left Behind. But, but the title is a good description of where Paul thought the Jews would be if Gentiles who didn't have the law obeyed it better than the Jews did. The Jews would be left behind. Who's the oldest sibling in your family? Well, you've got younger siblings. Okay. So you know my daughter's hand is so up, up so high. So is Lily. So is Lily. Sue, I think. 
Josie, if your younger sibling beats you at something, it's not good, is it? It's not pretty. I know in our house it's not pretty. I know you were playing banana grams last night. And I know, Melody, she doesn't know, I haven't even talked about this, that you hit the floor and made the tiles go everywhere because you just went, she's embarrassed now, sorry. <laughs> Older siblings don't like the younger siblings beating them at anything. Well, picture that when, when, when this is being talked about and the Jews are thinking, what, the Gentiles can have it better than us? Like, can you imagine, like, they're like the big brother? And the younger brother's like, well, they can fulfill the requirements and the law and, and judge you. What? That's what it's like. Crazy, right? It's bad enough to get beat. But to get beat by someone you think is inferior to you? <laughs> it's like getting humbled by a throne in your face. It just doesn't get any more humiliating. You know, Paul left no room for the Jews to be boastful at all. He just smashed them. <laughs> so that brought some humility, I think. Uh, verses 28 and 29 says this. For he is no Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter whose praise is not from men, but from God. In other words, godliness is an internal affair. Utterly and completely. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter how happy you are every Sunday or whenever you see it. It doesn't matter the words that you use and the eloquence of speech that you have. It doesn't matter what possessions you have or what status in society you have. Do you know what matters? The heart. And where your heart is at before God. That is the only thing that matters. And that's why when it comes to judgmentalism and hypocrisy, we can't judge someone's heart. We don't know what they've been through and what's going on in their life. You wouldn't have expected that big burly fellow with the dreadlocks who looked tough as and happy as to get up and say I'm lonely. You probably made a presumption that he'd be a bully because he's big and whatever. But you wouldn't have thought he'd get up and say, see, we can put people in boxes, but every category that was named, there were people from every box that would get up that fulfilled that category. The most important one was the one at the end, that we're all made in the image of God. That's what binds us together. That's what separates the church from your other clubs, your RSLs, your whatever in, in town. They gather people as well. But what separates us apart is despite our differences, despite our cultural backgrounds, or what our experience is, we're all made in the image of God. And that creates a level playing field for all yeah. in Jesus' name. Now, I promise you we're going to pray for people that have felt judged. Maybe you've even judged yourself based on life experience. Well, I want you to be encouraged. Mel, if you can hit the lights. I've got one more video I want to play, and then we're going to pray.
time and again, a courtroom scene. Someone is being charged with a crime, and the lawyers parade the witnesses in and out. Their very testimonies have the power to swing the pendulum of faith. The jury, they sit and they listen and they deliver a verdict. And then the judge slams down the gavel and declares a sentence. But what about you? Is the jury still out on you? Do you live this day in and day out existence as though someone has handed you a guilty verdict? It feels like we live the good parts and the bad parts of our lives as though they're on a set of scales. And inevitably, the bad stuff, it always seems the heaviest. chapter 8, we find a woman that was literally dragged out of bed with the man that she was having an affair with. Can you imagine that? I mean, she was caught in the act. We know nothing about her past. We have no idea if this is a long-standing affair, and she just really didn't feel bad about it anymore. Or maybe she had a cruel husband, and she felt depressed, and all of a sudden, here comes this man that just finds her fascinating. Regardless, the two of them, in a fit of passion, make this huge mistake and she had no idea that she was going to be torn from that bed thrown into public probably naked to tumble upon the feet of jesus and her accusers want jesus to judge her can you imagine the tape that was played in her mind that day oh what have i done i can't believe i keep making the same mistakes Look at these people judging me, mocking me. I've gone too far. I have gone way too far for God to ever love a squirrel like me. Those are real thoughts. And if I'm honest, there's been a good portion of my life where I felt like my soul has been in the courtroom. Not that I was thrown in front of a large crowd where all my sins lay naked for the whole world to see. But I know what I've done. I have dark secrets just like you. I have declared myself guilty. How does guilt manifest itself in everyday life? Have you ever been given a compliment but you just brush it off? Has anyone ever tried to break through that tough exterior to show you love but your wall is so high there's just no way anyone can get through? And you find yourself yet again alone. Shame and guilt are powerful prisons. But it doesn't have to be that way. There is no jury declaring you guilty. Our innocence is found in Christ. The only sentence you have is found in Romans chapter 8 that says, For there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Those would be the words that would change this woman's life forever. But before she heard those words, she heard Jesus say as he looked at the crowd, If any of you have never made a mistake, if you are perfect, go ahead and start throwing rocks. And Jesus looked at this woman and said, Woman, where is your jury? Who's condemning you? And the woman looked around, and everybody was gone. And she looked at Jesus. She said, no one, no one is condemning me. And then Jesus looked at the woman and said, 
Well, I don't condemn you either. Go, go and sin no more. Can you imagine the look on this woman's face when she realized her verdict? Not guilty. And we have been given the same verdict. Aren't you tired of beating yourself up over your past? When are you going to stop being judge and jury and even executioner of your own life? Because if you look in the jury box, no one is there. And if you go to the judge's bench, no one is swinging a gavel declaring your condemnation. And there's not going to be any surprise witnesses coming in at the last minute to bring up embarrassments from your past. You are free. constantly every day hit the hammer and say guilty but just as we saw in that beautiful demonstration that Jesus doesn't condemn you we're so quick to be hard on ourselves and, and judge ourselves but Jesus doesn't condemn you just like he doesn't condemn that woman who was caught in the act of adultery gee if anyone deserved condemning it was her because she was caught literally I mean, why didn't they drag the guy out too? That's another story. But they dragged the woman out, embarrassed her, nakedness before the crowd. And maybe you've felt like that before. Maybe not literally naked, but maybe you've felt like, you know, I'm bearing everything right now and I feel about this big because you're being so hard on yourself. But in the same way that Jesus turned to the woman and said, who's condemning you? After he challenged the crowd, that you without sin cast the first stone, everybody left. I want to encourage you today, if you're carrying hurt or damage from being judged, if you judge yourself, today you're going to be loosed from that in Jesus' name. Because we sung it, didn't we? You know, my chains are gone. I've been set free. Let's not make it a pretty song with nice words. Let's look at the meaning of what that says to you and I. Our chains are gone. We are set free. Just as the man walking out of the courtroom, the chains broke and he just left them. I want us to physically do that today. 
chains broken, drop them down and leave them in this building, never to be addressed or never to have influence over your life again. And you know what does that? The power of the Holy Spirit. It's not the words that I say or the prayer I'm about to pray, but it's the revelation in your heart. Jesus doesn't condemn me. He loves me. And so I'm not going to be walking around carrying these chains of judgmentalism anymore. Today they are left in the room. So would you close your eyes and bow your heads? And I'm just going to pray. If this is you, let this moment impact you powerfully and leave the chains in the building today. Don't, don't walk out of this room without dropping the chains because they are broken in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, I pray for your church. Pray for people online, anyone that's listening to this after the fact. I just pray, Father God, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would release us from the burdens that we carry. Release us from the chains that have bound us for so long. Break every chain of judgmentalism, of hypocrisy, of people thinking certain ways towards us and then us carrying those thoughts even to this day. Today they are loosed in Jesus' name. Every chain is broken in Jesus' name. By the power of your Holy Spirit, come and transform us from the inside out as we learn today righteousness is a thing that is internal deal with our insides god help us to release that burden of judgmentalism judging ourselves allowing others to judge us and carrying that burden those chains are loosed today and they are broken because of your victory on the cross jesus and so we declare freedom in the house today freedom over every heart and every mind, freedom over every spirit, freedom over every soul in the place today, online, listening. Lord, that you would just move powerfully and break every chain. We leave this place today transformed and changed because of the power that is in the blood of Jesus Christ. And we declare it over every person, freedom from bondage, broken chains in the mighty name of Jesus. And together we all declare it. Amen. 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 Give him praise and thank you. Thank you, Jesus. You break every chain. Hallelujah. If you're in the room today and you don't know this, Jesus, we don't have a meeting at Vineyard without giving an invitation for you to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The scripture's there. It says it all. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You don't need to endure the punishment of your sin because Christ came and did it for you. But we can't embrace that grace and that newness of life without crossing the bridge from, from, from one cliffside to the other where God is. And, and the barrier that's between is this cross of Jesus Christ that enables us to have that personal relationship with Jesus. Walk across that bridge today. Accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and he will forgive you. So if you're in this place and you need Jesus, now is your time. Maybe you've done this before, but you need to do it again because you're away from him right now. Well, now is your time. Maybe you've never made a public decision for Jesus. Now is your time. So if you need Jesus, would you just lift up your hand and we're going to pray together. A powerful prayer to just invite Jesus to be our Lord and Savior. And it's not the prayer that saves you. 
just like it's not the circumcision that saves you, but it is the change of your heart and your desire to live for Him. So if that's you, lift up your hand and we're going to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Church, we're going to pray this together. We all need Him. Amen. Pray this. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you came and that you took the punishment for me. You conquered sin and death because you rose from the dead. And so I believe in you today, Jesus. And I confess with my mouth, you are my Lord. I want to live for you. I want to serve you all the days of my life. So God, I make that commitment today to change from the old to the new, to allow you to fix the inside of me. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give God praise again. He's so worthy. Thank you, Jesus, for lives transforming. And I'm believing that today, that there will be a big pile of chains. Sorry, Cleaner, Marion's not in here, that she'll have to sweep up all the chains because they've been left in the building today. Don't walk in condemnation anymore. You are free and your chains are broken in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God is good. And all the time? Wonderful. Let's have